2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will after their own lust shall they keep a heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned to fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. You don't have to turn, I'm going to read a verse and a half in Ecclesiastes. You see this at funerals a lot. Chapter 3. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. I've thought a lot this week about this service and um, expecting really that the Lord will move. But I've thought a lot this week about death. And that might seem morbid to you, but but can I say that um, as we read in Ecclesiastes, there is a time to be born and there is a time to die. It goes on that there is a time to plant. And then there's a time that that which is planted must be plucked up. Um, and so without going into um, details today, let me just say this. Everybody in this building, everybody uh, that can hear my voice right now, you have been planted, and there is coming a time when that which has been planted shall be plucked up. In other words, there, uh, there must come a day that no matter if you're ready or no matter if you're not ready, you must leave. You must depart. Uh, there's going to come a day that you're going to hug your loved one one last time, and you must leave. And you're going to look at them, and maybe it's them, they must leave. That time is coming upon, uh, upon every man, woman, and child, no matter how rich or poor, no matter how young or how old, that day is coming. And if you believe the account that is in the book of Job, which I most certainly do, it says the times of those days are appointed by the Almighty God, uh, that He indeed has set the bounds of our habitation, and that He knows when our end will be. We have no idea when our end will be. As sometimes when we get sick, we realize we're coming down to the final days. And we realize we don't have much time left in this world. I read of a preacher one time. He said, I preach like it's the last sermon I'll ever preach. I preach as a dying man. As a dying man to dying men. And so if we take that outlook every time that we set foot in the Lord's house, if I'm indeed a dying man preaching to dying men, uh, then we, we had the discussion in Sunday school about the great revivals in the early church 
when they were saved by the thousands. We can't imagine. We've never seen anything like that. But in that time, they believed, and I, I, I agree with you, Brother Joe, uh, they thought the return of Jesus was imminent. Uh, they thought when He said, I'm going away and I'm coming back soon, uh, they preached like He was going to come back tonight. Uh, they preached hellfire and brimstone. Uh, they preached salvation by the Holy Ghost of God. And they preached as though they were dying men preaching to dying men. And the Lord blessed that effort greatly. I think that today the church has become too complacent in a lot of things, that, that time will continue to go on, and it will go on, but there's coming an end to it all. And my friend, I don't know when that day is. I don't know when my last time is. But I read to you the last words that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. Second Timothy was the last recorded book that we know of that that Apostle ever wrote. And in that writing, if you go throughout those chapters, he's trying to encourage Timothy to fight the good fight. He's trying to encourage Timothy to uh, remember the one that saved him. He's trying to encourage Timothy uh, to, to be strong and to be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. Uh, but uh, my thought to you today and what I want to try to briefly preach on is just one question that I want to ask you. Will it do when you're dying? That's it. Just one simple question. And you say, what does that question even mean? Uh, we see the last words that the Apostle ever penned. Uh, we see that he's charging Timothy. Uh, he said to, to make full proof of your ministry. He said, Timothy, the time is going to come when they will not endure sound doctrine, uh, but that they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Uh, they'll be looking to fables. They're going to turn away from everything that you know is true. And then he went on. I don't know that he meant to when he started that because he started just wanting to encourage Timothy to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Uh, we don't do enough of that. I have no desire when you leave here uh, to say one to another, oh, what a preacher. But I would desire you to say one to another, oh, what a Savior. It's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Uh, but as Paul was writing that, uh, that uh, only Luke was with him, he wanted Timothy to know certain things. He said, Timothy, the time of my departure is now at hand. In other words, Paul was in prison. He had been in prison lots in his life, but I think he knew this time was different. Uh, he had appeared before Nero, and he was soon to appear before that, uh, that godless emperor one more time. And he knew without any doubt uh, that he was facing death. He knew that, that there was not an escape for this time. He knew that this imprisonment would very, uh, very uh, likely and most certainly be the last one that he would ever endure. Uh, so how did he fare? Uh, my friend, he had something uh, that would do when he was dying. I think that the Apostle Paul often went back to that time when the Lord saved him. And we say that a lot, but 
but I do a very poor job at, at even explaining what that is. We, uh, we know that Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again, uh, that there is no other way, uh, that you must be born again. If any, You know what? The gospel hasn't changed in 2,000 years. If you want to go to heaven, if you want to escape the wrath of God, my friend, then you must be born again. It's not a reforming. It's not a reformation. It's not just just believing. It's not just, just being good. It's not just laying aside the vices. It's not just laying aside sins. There's more to it than that. Because when we're born into this world, Uh, Every one of us have a birth certificate that tells of a time that you were born. Now remember, there is a time to be born. And when we leave this life, uh, uh, there will be a death certificate uh, saying there was a time to pluck up that which had been planted. And so the birth, the natural birth, is something coming into this world that had not been here before. And so when you were born, you came forth out of your mother's womb, and all of a sudden there was a new creature upon this earth that wasn't there mere seconds before. And my friend, it is the same. I've read commentary after commentary after commentary. I've read website after website after website and people mean well but they'll say now there's no sense you don't have to you don't have to have an experience like that if you just believe my friend intellectual belief will do nothing for the salvation of your soul you can believe with all of your mind that Jesus Christ came and he died and he rose from the dead and ascended up to the right hand of God but except there be a new birth with you, you will die lost and separated from God and you will go down into the depths of hell itself. So what do we mean when we say a new birth? The Apostle Paul says that it's a godly sorrow that begins to set up in a man or a woman, boy or girl, that a godly sorrow has to be there. I agree with you, Brother Paul. I can remember the night that I was saved. I was carefree. I had no godly sorrow and it wasn't there until all of a sudden there was a trouble that came into my heart, a, a trouble that came into my soul. A man did not place it there and man could not take that sorrow away. And so we didn't know uh, what can you do uh, when trouble. And I remember my thought is, will it do when you're dying? I realized in that moment I had nothing to go to if the day should come that I would be called out that that which had planted should it be plucked up that night. I had no experience. And that's why it's so very important. And I will say this. It's very important that we tell our experience. But let me warn you, you better not add anything to it and you better not take anything from it. Everybody's journey is going to be a little bit different. But they're all going to have one thing in common. That there was a sorrow. There was a a moment that God revealed to you and you personally that you had committed sin against the Almighty God. and now you are held accountable for that and if you die in that condition 
you will spend eternity in hellfire. Now Paul said the time's coming. They're not going to endure sound doctrine. My friend, that time is no longer coming. That time is here. You are living in that time when men will not endure sound doctrine. You are living in that time when men have a little bit of religion but no salvation and they preach that religion and deceive the masses. Paul wanted Timothy to preach, to exhort, to rebuke with all long-suffering and doctrine. And so Paul said, Timothy, the time of my departure is at hand. It was a, 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 as he was saying, I'm an offering that's being poured out. I know that I'm going to die in this prison. I know that that monster Nero is going to take my head clean off. He didn't die the death of a crucifixion because Paul was a Roman citizen. He would die by beheading. And so how did he face that? He said, Timothy... I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now let me ask you, will it do when you're dying? Are you ready to face eternity? For you have been planted and there will absolutely come a day when you must leave. You must be plucked up. You say, preacher, don't speak about such things. Uh, let me tell you this, not thinking about death won't slow it down anyway. Uh, death is coming for every, uh, every one of us. Uh, uh, there's not a soul living that will not die. Everybody here is going to be buried in the ground. Uh, and everybody here is going to be laid there. So is it death you fear? Or is it what comes after? And the scripture said that, uh, that it is appointed to man once to die. And then after this, the judgment. I would contend with you today, it's not really the death that you fear, it's what comes after. Uh, because if you have half sense about you, uh, you realize that there is after death, and uh, death is not the cessation of the soul. Uh, death is only uh, going from here to there. It's what comes next. Uh, it's not the dying, but it is the judgment that should concern you. If you're here today and you're lost without God, if you don't have anything to do. So what do I mean? Will it do when you're dying? I don't know about your experience. I can't tell you your experience, but I can tell you mine. I did lay dying nearly 11 years ago, and I've told you this before, but it'll do good. You can hear it one more time. I lived, I did lay dying of a heart attack. I mean, it was bad. They said I shouldn't have lived, but I can remember laying there as they worked upon me, and as they were asking the pilot, is it much further? We are losing him how much longer till we land and I could hear all of that I mean they had they had me on medicine but but you talk about a sobering thought that this will be the last trip that I've seen my wife for the last time that she'll face this life without me that I'll never see her again and so all of those they say your life flashes before your eyes when you die. Mine didn't. Mine didn't, but there was one thought that did. There was one moment that did. 
did as I lay there very well realizing I might never get out of this bed. I might never, I might be dead before we ever land in Nashville. And so what do you do? That dread came over me. Paul said it rightly. That the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Death is your enemy today. It's the enemy of every man that's ever lived. And so death is an enemy, a horrible enemy that separates loved ones, that causes cessation of life on this earth. And I realized in that moment that like Paul, maybe the time has come for me to depart. I like how Paul said that. You think of a departure. You think of just taking up anchor here and leaving to go to another place. Paul realized that if I depart here, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And so I realized on the helicopter there in the middle of the sky one night uh, that I might be awfully close. And so what can you say? Uh, there was a, a dread of fear washed over me, uh, but then you know what came next? There was a calm assurance. Why? Because if your life flashes before you, as I said, mine didn't, but there was one moment that did. There was one moment laying there in the midst of great fear. We just sang a song about it. It is well with my soul. There was a calmness. And you know what? You know what stirred that calmness inside of me? You know what gave me the resolve? You know what happened inside that helicopter? The Lord took me back to the place and the time that the Lord spoke peace to my soul. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about when we say a time and a place? I don't remember the exact time. I don't remember the exact day. I don't even remember the exact year. But I remember the exact moment that it happened. Why? Because that is what the new birth is. There was something born that night at an altar that had never been in this world before. He was a new creature. I, God took me back in the midst of that fear and washed over my soul uh, that there was a new birth. Uh, and because of that new birth, I could face death. Uh, I no longer feared death. Uh, the only thing I could pray was take care of my bride, comfort her, but God spared my life. But I believe in that prison cell. As Paul wrote those words, he could write it with confidence because of what happened to him on the road to Damascus when he said, suddenly there shone round about me a great light. And the people that was with me saw that light, but they didn't hear a voice. But I heard a voice. And Paul said, he tells about his salvation experience. Let me ask you, will that do when you're dying? I can't speak for you, but I've been dying. And I can honestly say without a shadow of a doubt what I found that night will do when I'm dying. I found that out. I found God to be faithful. I found God to be true. And my friend, there is a time that that which is planted must be plucked up. 
that you must leave. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what color you are. Presidents have died and went to hell. Kings and queens and principalities have stepped out of those palaces and went to hell. Popes and preachers have stepped down out of their pulpit and went to hell. Baptists go to hell. Methodists go to hell. Episcopalians go to hell. Europeans, Americans, Nigerians, Africans all die and they all go to hell. Except there is a moment that God spoke peace to your soul. That's what's meant by the new birth. If you've ever experienced that, if there's ever been a time, and I'm not trying to put thoughts into your heart and into your mouth or words into your mouth, I'm saying search it out. Uh, if God were to come right now, if that which has been planted should be plucked up before we go out the doors today, will it do when you're dying? Do you have that assurance that there was a moment, and again, we get caught up on the winds. Some of you know it down almost to the very second on the clock. I'm glad for you. I truly am. I say this with no jealousy at all. I'm glad for you. I don't have that to go back to. Brother Dave just said it was the last Sunday in January. I don't even have that. But I do have a moment in time that I completely changed, that the old man died and somebody else was born. And because of that, I don't fear death. We might fear how death is going to come. But Paul said it's just a departure. I went on a cruise once and we made our departure. And there were people standing on the banks and they were waving, and the people on the ship were waving. It was our departure, and we were leaving, uh, going for a distant land. Uh, that's how death is going to find the born-again believer. Uh, we'll be able to stand on the old ship of Zion. Uh, we'll be able to look our loved ones in the eye. Uh, we'll be able to just wave and say, I made it by grace, and I'm departing from here. But because I'm departing from here, there is a distant land uh, where, uh, where faith uh, is going to end in sight. Uh, that there is a land fairer than day that by faith I can see it afar. Do you have that in your soul? If you don't, if you don't have a time. Now remember, I said, I've, been, I've looked at websites and commentaries and they all say pretty much the same thing. That it doesn't matter. You don't have to have that experience. I'm going to tell you today, yes you do. Yes you do. There has to be a point, as Philip says from time to time, of contact. There has to be a time when a broken-hearted sinner a convicted of his sins or her sins. There has to be a time a godly sorrow sets up. David said, hell got hold upon me. I've heard some of your testimonies. And you say you feared death and hell. That's, that's good. That's needful sometimes. I didn't. It wasn't death that got me. It was the fact that I was a sinner. So everybody is going to come a little bit different. But whether you feared death and hell in that moment, or whether you were like me, just a broken-hearted sinner, there had to be anybody that's ever been saved. I don't care what commentaries say. I don't care what websites say. I care what the book says. 
and it says there must be a godly sorrow to work repentance. If it's not a godly sorrow, you can repent and not be saved. A godly sorrow. See, I don't think, I think sometimes we separate repentance and faith. You really can't do that. They are indistinguishable graces. You can't repent truly without faith in who you're repenting to. And you can't believe in who He is until you repent. They come together. Repentance. A godly sorrow. That's what got a hold of me that night. I was a kid. I realized that. I've done a whole lot of wrong as far as what the world would consider wrong. But I was just as guilty as the worst of the worst of the worst. And lots of people today repent of sin, but they have no godly sorrow. And they're sorry, but they're just sorry for the consequences of their sin. That's not salvation. A godly sorrow will bring about a broken heart because you are a sinner. And I will say this, you need to be fearful. Hell is hot and hell is real and that which is planted shall be plucked up and after death then comes the judgment and there are people in hell fire uh, right now that went to church all of their lives. Uh, yes, they did. Uh, they had been baptized. They repeated a prayer and in the end of their time it did not amount to anything because what they had did not do when they died. Will it do when you're done. Do you have anything like that? Do you have anything to go back to? If this was your last day and you had to pin a letter to your family, could you say what Paul said? I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. And because of that, there is laid up for me. I like that, don't you? I can tell you when my day is. It's been appointed to me that I'm going to die. I'll not miss that appointment. You won't miss that appointment. It is an appointment every last person in here is going to keep. But the difference is, I've got something to fall back on. I've got something that when the storms of life, when Satan would assail my faith, uh, when he would try to uh, tell me I'm crazy, uh, when he would tell me it's made up, uh, I've got something in my soul that I can point to and say, no, sir, it happened right there. Do you? Do you have that? Modernists will tell you today it doesn't take that. I believe it does. I believe you, not the date on the calendar or the time on the clock, but there, when we say time and place, what we mean is a moment, a moment, just a moment. I can remember going to the altar, and then I don't remember a whole lot, but I remember the moment. I remember that journey from nature into grace. I remember as a broken-hearted sinner who was out of options, calling out one time, just one more time, You've heard my testimony. I'd given up. I was getting up off the altar. Nothing had happened. I'd been to the altar before. Thought something, but nothing happened. I was so discouraged. And one last try, as I stood up, Lord, I want to be saved. And I can remember in that moment, that sorrow was turned into joy. 
I can remember in that moment that there was a change. What do you mean a change? I mean there was a birth. I mean in the annals of heaven today, I have a birth certificate. That I was born again. Nicodemus, Jesus said, marvel not. That I said unto you, you must be born again. I don't care what the modern churches say or do. I care what we do. I care for your soul. I want to tell you, you must be born again. There has to be a moment in your life where godly sorrow set up and you begin to cry out to the only one that was able to save. And there has to be a moment that sorrow goes away and a peace or a joy comes in. We sang a song when I was growing up called the Old Time Religion. You ever heard that? It was good for Paul and Silas. It has saved all of our children. It was good for mothers and fathers. And then you get down to about the last verse. And it says it'll do when we're dying. Or it's good when we're dying. People scoff at our way. Modernists hate our way. They'd much rather deceive people. I'm not in it for that. There is an old time religion. I'm glad I'm a part of it. I'm glad I got it. I didn't get it by shaking any man's hand. I didn't get it by any man. We talked in Sunday school today about a man wanting the power to lay hands on people and have them receive the Holy Ghost. No man laid his hand on me. I didn't receive the Holy Ghost that way. I got it the old way. I got it the good way. I got it by the true and living way. I got it at an altar one night of broken-hearted sin. Born again. Will it do when you're dying? I've said a lot more than I wanted to say. I really hope this turns into a shout and test of somebody here. God is knocking on your heart. Either to come to the altar, either to repent, either to seek God, be saved or to tell others about your experience to tell others you know what I know you've worried about me a long long time how good would it be to hear a loved one say today you don't have to worry anymore what I've got will do when I'm dying are you certain of that I've never been more certain about anything in my life because I was dying and I found out I had enough to do when I'm dying. That's all I got for you today. Come ahead with a song. Search your heart. Sinner friend, if the Lord is sending conviction your way, stirring your heart, that subtle knock, that drawing, you need to listen to that Spirit today. Come, this altar's open. Find peace. Find salvation. Find a new birth. Church, if the Lord's dealing with you, tell that experience. Do you remember how glorious? Do you remember that moment? What would you take for it? What would you trade that for? If it's the real thing, you wouldn't trade it for anything. Because it's the only thing that's going to bring you comfort when you reach that time of plucking up that which had been planted. Go ahead, brother.